It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. Episode six of the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Round number two is well underway. And before we get started, Drew, I want to get an update as to the driving from San Jose to Saskatoon, <laughs> Saskatchewan. How is the Paris of the Prairies? It is. Uh, it's great. The drive was fantastic. Um, went from San Jose to Salt Lake. First day, first day about 10 and a half hours. And then decided, you know what? We're going for it. Salt Lake to Saskatoon, 16 and a half hours, straight drive, um, five kilometers, because I switched over once I crossed the border, yep, five, five kilometers. Five clicks, as they say. Five clicks inside Canada. Woo, 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 pulled over. I saw the first guy sitting in the sitting in the ditch, waiting for people, the our first RCMP. Saw the second guy pass me. Third guy, didn't see him, pulls me over. He's got to come through the ditch and pull me over. I, I see him. I know I'm caught. I slide over. He comes over and goes, where are you coming from? I said, San Jose, California. And he goes, what do you do there? I said, I work for the San Jose Sharks. He goes, you guys are in the sweepstakes. I said, yeah, for Bedard, we are. And he goes, uh, so um, caught you doing 140 kilometers an hour, which I was doing. That's about 90. Time. That's about 90. Yeah. So 87, 87, I think it was. Yeah. So, so he said to me, he goes, uh, used to driving in 80 kilometer, 80 miles an hour in the U S I went, yeah. And he goes, yeah, we get you guys all the time coming this way. I said, come on, man, really? But give me a break. He was nice. He gave me a break, but still costing me $200. So other than that, it was a terrific, uh, terrific drive and glad to be home. Good to see my boys. Saskatoon's no longer has any snow. But I uh, can't wait to get back to San Jose once we get going into hockey season, Danny, because love watching all this hockey. But boy, you and I know what it's like when you're involved in the playoffs versus when you're just watching the playoffs. Yeah, it really is a different feeling. You almost have an empty feeling. I I've been enjoying, however, watching some of the ex-Sharks that, uh, that are performing oh, for other teams. They're doing a fantastic job. And uh, with that in mind, I think uh, we want to start with the contributions of Joe Pavelski to the Stanley cup playoff lore, because what he did the other day uh, was fantastic. Rink wide Domi soft pass. Hockenpah has a man in front. It's Pavelski fed their score. He's got four. You've got to be kidding me. Joe Pavelski. It's amazing. It certainly was amazing. Joe Pavelski at age 38 will be 39 in the off season, a four goal performance. After the game, he was just talking about being glad to get in. No, I wasn't that concerned. Um, obviously, there's you're aware of what happened and how you're going to feel, but you know we kind of took all the steps that we thought were required and had good reactions to all that. So the next step was getting in there. And I mean, you're watching the last series and those games are going. You know, it's it was always interesting when the game started and you're watching it. Everything kind of cleared up. You had that. Little adrenaline going watching and stuff and 
you know, that feeling of you wanted to be out there. But unfortunately for Joe Pavelski, it did not turn out to be a victory. On the right side, dropping for Larson. Fakes the shot, pulls it back in. Brookstrand blasting. Locker down. Brookstrand gets his own rebound, puts it back toward the goal, and never got through. Now Seattle yeah! scores! Scores! On the far side! It's hammered in off the rebound! Yanni Gord! Yanni Gord gets the game winner, and yes, he is a former Sharks prospect, Drew. He never actually played for San Jose, but he played for Roy Sommer in Worcester, and you got to put a little check mark next to the Sharks organization for that. He's got a couple of Stanley Cups, and so uh, for Joe Pavelski, at least, it was a great night, but it was spoiled by that. How do you think about the Seattle team? First, uh, before we get to Joe, the fact that they remind me so much of us back in 1994. I mean, that's that's kind of what they're doing. They went on the road in game seven against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And now they go on the road to game number one in the in this game. And they end up getting the win in Dallas. You and I talked about um, Seattle. A while back, and I remember we were talking about, okay, who's their first line? Who's their second line? Who's their third line? Who's their fourth line? We don't know because they're all the same. They just keep coming at you. They pressure. They play away from the puck extremely well. Their D's outstanding. Phil Grubauer is playing great in net. But that's those all those things you have to have when you're in the playoffs. But their, their ability, they're, they're reminding me a lot of when I watch Florida the same type of way. I think Florida's got a better forecheck. But the pressure that they put on you and the moments you and I, when we talk about critical moments all the time, that's a Kevin Constantine thing. But the moments that Seattle um, win are key moments in the games that change the way the game goes. They scored the first goal in every game this year. It's, that's incredible. It's, it's incredible so far. And they, that first goal is important. The start is important. But Seattle, the way they're playing, because they're so quick off the puck, causes the opposition a lot of problems. But it, but Pavs, it isn't a surprise, right? It really nope. isn't. We, it, it wasn't hard. He he was little Joe for a long time, except when playoffs came around. And then he became the big Pavelski in the playoffs. And where did he score, score those goals from? Front of the net, tipping the puck. And he tipped it from so many different. By, by the way, how about that one tip where he was off balance? That, that was yeah. a, a Hall of Fame play, I'm telling you. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame player. I, I, I will, I would vote for him hall of famer all the time because of the player he is, the person he is, the teammate he is, the leader he is, he is, he's incredible. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no blemishes on Joe Pavelski from, from our point of view. We love Joe for good reason. I know the Sharks fans love him too, but that was such an inspired performance. Him coming back after taking that hit in game in, in the Minnesota series against Dumba. And him being come back and doing that, that's that's vintage Pavelski right there. Well, it's the second time in his career he's done that. He got hit in the Dallas game, went down. Then he came back late in the in the Colorado series and scored a goal. I yeah. mean, this is what this guy does. Winner. Yeah. And he just keeps on doing it. And in fact, it was the subject of winning that he was talking about after the game when he was asked about his four-goal performance. Obviously, we're here to win games this time of the year, so... You, you appreciate certain things and how you feel and confidence you get out of certain plays, but it, you flush that and you kind of, you know, you have to go do it again and try to contribute how you can. And um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about winning right now and trying to. 
get to those four wins fastest in your series, and um, you know what? So game two will be big, obviously. We want to even this thing back up. He's so understated in what he says, Drew. Oh I mean, first, first yeah. of all, he's talking about, you know, something that's kind of a cliche. It's all about winning. We all know that. I think that Mike Ricci could have said that just as well. <laughs> However, the part that that I, I thought that was really interesting was about, uh, about him regaining the momentum and talking about it takes four wins to win a Stanley Cup, one of Bob Airy's 16 principles. And that was embedded in that quote that Pavelski talked about. He's got the big picture in mind. Well, always, right? Um, he's... You don't get to be as great as he has become. And when I really like, you know, going back on how great he is as a player, what we really appreciate about him, I think I can speak for you as well in this one, is that he made himself this player. He was a seventh rounder. He was a guy who was the 13th forward after his rookie year. And then he just kept working and working and working and working to get better year after year, practice after practice, day after day. He was just relentless in his pursuit of excellence i think and it's so, great it's great what you say he's a self-made man there's no doubt yeah. about it yeah self-made superstar i mean i mean we've talked about it all the time but what that does too as well it shows you that the big picture for joe pavelski never escaped him he was always a player who was able to be where his feet were but at the same time understand and acknowledge that the big picture is also of need of focus, something you have to keep in mind all the time. That's why he was such a brilliant and is a brilliant um, playoff performer. Well, he's going to have to be because Dallas is down one game to nothing, and they've had to make some adjustments to the way that Seattle plays. Everything you're talking about, Drew, is something that Pete DeBoer was referring to when talking about making the change from round one to round two. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt the pace is different. You know, it's a it's a different game than than Minnesota, and it took us you know, probably a period or so to get used to it. But I thought I thought we did. I didn't think it was an issue in the latter part of that game. So, um, you know, we played speed teams all year. We played hard, heavy teams all year. So, you know, we, we have that ability to adjust to that. Uh, it's not a it's not a schematic thing. Now, one of the things we are getting in the schematic is that uh, Dallas is playing a style of hockey that certainly is tough to beat. But uh, right now, Philip Grubauer has been a major difference. And uh, Jake Ottinger's got something to prove in game two. Absolutely. I think Jake Ottinger is the next great goaltender in the National Hockey League. Um, there's just so much to see and watching this young man that you see that he has got the foundation to be one of the next great ones, another great American goalie. Philip Grubauer, it's interesting with Seattle. Early in the season, when Seattle had some injuries in net, Martin Jones was the man. Martin Jones, as Shark fans remember, how good of a player he or goalie he is and was early in the season was stopping the puck, remembered how to play goal again. Lost it a little bit for a while there. Um he got hurt. Grubauer came in, and Grubauer has been relentless in keeping the net. Uh, his play against Colorado was inspired, to say the least, right? <laughs> For sure. Why is that? Well, because he played there. <laughs> exactly. And they got rid of him before they won the Stanley Cup. Of course he wanted to beat them. Exactly, and did a very good job. And he's playing very well right now. Like He's been, been terrific. But I think you're right. This is a great thing about the playoffs, right? We see a push and then a pushback, a push and then a pushback. It's a punch and then a counter. Except in Winnipeg. 
<laughs> no pushback and in boy, Winnipeg, right? Zero pushback in Winnipeg right now. And boy, Danny up here. Oh my goodness. It was such a headlining story. Especially what do you when, what do you what do you make of all that? I mean, I thought that what he said was just very honest. Bang, bang on. And bang he was on. right. And right. I think that the uh the Blake Wheeler comment was more of a reactive one. I'm gonna give him a break for that, saying, geez, I don't think he should have done that outside. He should have done that in the room. But my God, they've blown that up. Blake Wheeler reacted exactly what in a way that rick bonus was complaining about i think blake wheeler's done i think he's I, gone I, there i, I do I think he's gone from there um shifley I, might I, be gone too you I never think know shifley's gonna be, i think shifley be gone too but kevin shuttle day off came out after a couple days later when he got the voice the the uh, approval from the um the owner, Mr. Chipman, got the, gave him said, you know, he's going to be our GM moving forward. And Kevin Dayoff came out with a press conference. And I know Kevin, he's from Saskatchewan. I coached against him in the IHL. I've known him for a long time. I was surprised at how, how much he defended making the playoffs with this core. That's all he talked about. You have to remember, we've made the playoffs with this core in the last X number of years and making the playoffs and making the playoffs. And, and but not winning, you know, winning one round in the, in, during that time. So the media came out after and, and went, what are you talking about? He was he was rather positive about a situation that I guess you're supporting your players. Yes, which is a good thing. Yes, because you're trying to keep their value up. But in case you have to bring them back or trade them. But his his year end press conference was really um, quite blasé about the fact that they got knocked out so easily and their coach said we don't have any pushback we need a change so it was really interesting now rick bonus is a guy that's used to to trying to get to the mountaintop and i think he's been good for that organization and we'll see exactly how they put that together in the coming days we continue now with the stanley cup playoff report on the san jose sharks audio network we move on on the playoff report to talk about one of Drew Amendes' favorite topics, the Edmonton Oilers and the <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. And first things first, Edmonton survived the first round and got through. But in game one, it was Leon Dreisaitl that came up with a, an amazing performance, like Joe Pavelski, a four-goal game for Dreisaitl in game one. Fighting into position, Polisar to the net, a shot off the rush, a save, Skinner, the rebound, cleared by Eckholm, up the left-hand side, McDavid with Hyman in front, Taylor drives saddle, shoots and scores! He has four! And Edmonton back within 5-4! But unfortunately for Edmonton, Vegas would find a way to get the victory, and so it was yet another four-goal performance spoiled by the result of the game. And after the contest, Leon Dreisaitl was talking about that. Yeah, it's definitely a different-looking team, different system. Um, but, yeah, we just overall weren't, weren't good enough. You know, it's, it's not even close to, to how we play and, and how we su successfully play. So, um, yeah, got to move on and we'll be better. Jay Woodcroft was pretty tight-lipped, too, about the way that his team performed. Um... You know, I think we gave up one more goal, five on five, than uh, than they gave up. Um, I thought we were a little bit loose. Uh, we made some uncharacteristic individual errors, and uh, we were made to pay. Uh, not clean enough defensively. And the key play was by a Saskatoon native, Chandler Stevenson. White Cloud starts it back ahead. Knights in, Stone closing left circle to the right. One-timer, score! 
Stone to Stevenson. Two quick goals, put the Knights up 5-3. Chandler Stevenson's getting it done. And, of course, Mark Stone back to health helps Vegas, too. Big time. First, when it goes, you go Joe Pavelski scoring for Leon Dreisaitl scoring for, and both teams lose. Incredible. That's the first, first time in NHL history in the regular season or the playoffs where players score four goals in back-to-back games and their teams lose. So that's amazing. On the Vegas Golden Knights side, um, I've known Chandler Stevenson since he was a teenager. Uh, he uh, He's a great, terrific young man. Um, in fact, after they beat Winnipeg, I had him on the radio show in, here in Saskatchewan on, on Friday. Of course Chandler, you did. Yeah, of course I did. Um, terrific kid, hard player, won a Stanley Cup in Washington in a much lesser role. We talked about Mark Stone and his relationship with Mark Stone. Mark Stone comes back after missing three months from two back surgeries in nine months. So in 12 months, he had two back surgeries and still came back playing hockey. He said Mark Stone is underappreciated for how good he is throughout the National Hockey League. And he said, he said also, I said, what's the key about playing with Mark? You guys seem to have such good chemistry. He goes, we trust each other. He knows, I know when he gets the puck, I got to get open. And he knows that I'm working to get open. And so the other thing about last night's game was, or game one, I should say, was the fact that when Edmonton scored, Right away, right away, Vegas responded. And that Vegas team, they've got the biggest defense in the National Hockey League, defense core, all six of them. I think the, the smallest guy is Martinez at 6'1", 197. Everybody else are giants, like 6'1", 197. This is a giant, in my opinion. I'm 5'8", for crying out loud. Pretty big. Yeah, big dudes, right? So they're a big, heavy team, but they move so well. And the Edmonton Oilers, I'm I'm really enjoying watching the change in Jay Woodcroft um, from how he used to be as an assistant uh, coach, Todd's right-hand guy, all chatty and good moods. And, hey, you doing, Drew? Good to see you. All that kind of stuff. Hey, Danny, how's it going? All that to how he is now (laughs) answering questions to the media. Which is, by the way, an interesting point because, you know, David Quinn on the shark side doesn't change a bit. Not he once. is he if he were the assistant coach, he'd be exactly the same as he's a head coach. And I think that's an advantage for him. Oh, I, I do, too. Um, but but Jay, like Todd, wears this. They wear it. You can tell the weight of coaching for them. They feel it. They're both fantastic coaches, both brilliant guys. Both Quinny, Quinny, Quinny feels it, too, but he just doesn't yeah. always show it. He, he shows it when say, he's in the room by himself. I was just going to say. But with David, David's able to, and I think this is a this is a skill that that a lot of coaches don't have. They're able to to stop coaching. You know what I mean? They're able to during the season. Okay, hey, now's my time to stop coaching. I'm going to go hit some golf balls. I'm going to go for a workout. I'm going to go for a walk. Something. Or, or in Paul Maurice's case, let the players take over during the game. Right. 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 <laughs> But when Paul Maurice, here's funny too, what, you know, watching, watching coaches during the playoffs and how they're complaining at the refs or not complaining at the refs or stifling it in. The one thing about Paul Maurice, he just blasts the refs and he blasts them hard. And then, then that's it. He seems, that seems to be cathartic for him. It's been fun watching the coaches during the playoffs 
But overall, watching the, the Edmonton Oilers and, and Vegas, what you saw from Vegas was a response every single time Edmonton did something. And um, the five-on-five five goals, that's, that's where Vegas has the advantage. Vegas Vegas five-on-five play is better. Power play-wise, it is ridiculous what the Edmonton Oilers are doing. Like I don't know, Danny, how you stop this power play. They're at almost 60% on their power play success rate. The only way to stop them is to win the five-on-five battle by one more goal than you lose the power play battle. And that's basically the story of the whole playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers. You know, you're looking at Edmonton, they've got uh, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Bouchard going into the second round with more than 10 points. Last time they had that in Edmonton was, uh, well, Gretzky, Curry, Anderson, and Coffey back in the legendary days. And, you know, Leon is having a great series in part because McDavid is is uh, drawing penalties and making things happen away and getting a lot of focus. Bouchard's getting points. Well, he went down. He got he got hammered there in the yeah, last yeah, game. Yeah, Hope yeah. he's OK. But uh, I, I think that I think that that's that's the the story. you got to be better five on five. And the other thing you've got too, Drew, is you've got Jack Eichel against Connor McDavid, the number two versus the number one pick. Don't think that, that that Jack Eichel doesn't feel that every time he sees number 97 on Edmonton and he wants to show him something. This is his first real run again through the playoffs. And so Eichel wants to make good on this on this. And he ended up with an empty net goal at the end, but he's a really good even strength player. Really good. It was interesting too. You know, I was I was exiled to Edmonton those days when Eichel and McDavid went and uh in the draft. And Whenever any, whenever the Oilers came to town or Buffalo came to town, you asked, it was automatic. Somebody was going to ask Eichel about McDavid and vice versa. Eichel bristled at those questions. You could tell he hated those questions. And then Connor makes the playoffs a couple of years. Jack doesn't. Jack's got the injuries. And now it's Jack getting a chance against Connor to show that he belongs in that talk, that talk of great drafts. Great draft picks, and um, you you watched him play last night. You had a physical Jack Eichel. You had a Jack Eichel who, away from the puck, was really good. Got the empty netter, which you know iced the game for them. That's a you bring up a wonderful point, Danny. That that's the great side story of this series. Very, very interesting. Edmonton against the Vegas Golden Knights. Knights had the one nothing lead. We'll see what happens in a subsequent contest in that series. We continue now with the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Well, let's talk a little Carolina Hurricanes and New Jersey Devils. First things first, Drew, uh, since uh, you took a little bit of a leave of absence from the program, the Devils had an absolutely perfect Game 7. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the work that the New York Rangers seem to do, you would think that a disaster has happened over there. In fact, they were actually playing the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, while talking <laughs> about the Rangers on, on NHL radio the other day. And, of course, that's stoking the fire a little bit. Larry Brooks is writing all kinds of stories. Patrick Kane a failure all these uh, acquisitions yeah. Tarasenko's gone and all of that uh, but you, I, I think it comes down to two things one 
uh, well, three things. One, the Devils found a goaltender uh, that could get them through the Rangers. And that was Akira Schmid, who came, I don't want to say out of nowhere, because he was somebody the Devils had coveted for a long time. Secondly, you have to credit Lindy Ruff for preparing that team absolutely perfectly uh, to change the style of play that they had in the regular season and really focus on their defensive game and being a little more opportunistic. And the third thing is the energy and the enthusiasm of the Devils on that side. Uh, those things, to me, with their talent, was the big difference in the series. What do you think? Yeah, you're you're 100% bang on the money. Um, the the New York Rangers um, were really good, you know, away from the puck. They, as far as goals against, they're second best in seven games. They're second best in the league, 2.43 goals against. The best is the Carolina Hurricanes. The New Jersey Devils, on the other hand, I, mean, I think New Jersey showed a lot. I mean, you, once they put Schmidt in there, at 22 year old from Swiss, uh, from Switzerland, um, played in the USHL. He's he comes in and he's he's bang on in the on his game. The superstars for the for the New York Rangers couldn't couldn't play to the pace that New Jersey played to. New Jersey's forecheck was quicker. New Jersey's young guys were, were able to sustain more offensive zone time. The New York Rangers didn't have, as you said that energy level to stay with the the youth of the Jersey Devils. And uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday and Gerard Gallant's um, press conference, exiting press conference, they were asking if he thinks he's going to be able to keep his job. And he got, he bristled at the subject. He wasn't very happy about it. They had 108 points. They were a really good team, but Jersey was better. Simple as that. Jersey was just a better team. Because... Well, they had home ice for game seven for a reason. Exactly. Right. Uh, but those young guys, Danny, Boy, they they get their feet moving. Hughes is an amazing player. Um, Timo Meyer is going to be okay uh, after he took that big hit against the Rangers. But then they go up against the Carolina Hurricanes, who are the best defensive team in the in the playoffs so far, who don't allow anything um, in uh, on the penalty kill. I mean, they're so good on the penalty kill. Their their top guys, even though they're missing. Some of their top guys. Yes, yeah, Svechnikov and Pacioretty both out. And that, that right. makes them focus on their, their core values even more, which is actually, in a way, an advantage. Exactly. They play such a team game, and they get points from their defense. They get points from their top players. Aho is, I, I don't know, and uh, Ray Ferraro said this last night on, on the ESPN broadcast, which is, He's not sure across the league whether Sebastian Ajo is really appreciated for how great Sebastian Ajo is. Well, he's so great. He plays for two teams. He plays two positions. I mean, he <laughs> plays for the Carolina and the Islanders. It's incredible. No, and not even from the same country. Who could believe this? Yeah, exactly. Not from the same country. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what Ray's saying is right. I don't think he is yeah. appreciated. And it's partly because of the market that he's playing in and the attention that that market usually doesn't get uh, from the national TV people. But uh, this game one, uh, it was certainly a, a showcase of Carolina's ability to play defensively, be opportunistic. And the Devils, yeah. you got it. You got to admit. They were coming off that high of beating their arch rivals in game seven, the team that they have to beat uh, for their fans. It was very emotional. So not surprising that uh, that perhaps they had a bit of a step back. But I've got a feeling that Lindy Ruff's going to have this team prepared and this is going to be a nice long series. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this series. It's a fun series to watch. But what, what astounds me about the playoffs is just how fast the games are. 
the games are so quick. It's it's crazy. Want to talk about Toronto and Florida too? Oh, yeah. Florida beating Boston in Game Seven under such dramatic circumstances, totally silencing the crowd and all of those Boston haters that might be out there doing cartwheels around the world. But uh, Bruins had a great season. There's no doubt about it. They they had a fantastic year for Coach Jim Montgomery. Tough to see it end for them. But Florida, coached by Paul Maurice, let's not forget, they did win the President's Trophy last year. And yes, I know, they made big changes to the lineup. Matthew Kachuk going back to Boston and kind of sticking it to his hometown, which is also another nice addition. But uh, Paul Maurice is pushing the right buttons, and uh, he got a win in Game 1 against Toronto. Remember when we were in Florida after the All-Star game and yep. we talked to Paul and Paul was talking to us then about how much they've been working on changing the way they needed to play in order to be a successful playoff team. And they were yet to be a playoff in contention there. And he talked about Barkov. He talked about Kachuk being, being Kachuk, being the guy who's been leading the way and been relentless. But he talked about getting those players back, getting the goaltending healthy and making the changes because last year, they were President's Trophy. They set records, but they were, he asked us, he goes, how did these, these guys win last year? I said, they were running gun. Remember we talked to him after? Yep. Every, he talked sure, to, he said running gun. He said, you exactly. can't do that. Yeah, you can't do He said, you can't, that wasn't sustainable. You, you saw it in the playoffs. So we had to change the way that we played in order to be a good team, a team that could win in the playoffs. And he's been able to do that. The best four check in the NHL, five guys in each zone, Five guys play with a pace. Five guys play together. Five guys play physical. And Matthew Kachuk, besides Connor McDavid, well, forget in the playoffs or in the regular season, Connor McDavid is the MVP. But, but Matthew Kachuk is got to be considered right now one of the top players in the National Hockey League. Say what you want about the way he plays. But after the little bit of a gong show against Boston, uh, I think it was game five, he he realized oh, I can't I can't be that guy. I can be on the edge, but I can't be that guy. By the way, his brother Brady today, when asked about on a, on a radio interview here in Canada, when asked about Matt, his brother Matthew, he goes, "You know, I may be biased, but I think he's the smartest player in the National Hockey League." Interesting comment from a guy who I think is a really smart hockey player, Brady Kachuk. Exactly. Everybody talks about their physical play, but I'll tell you what, uh, those are two outstanding hockey players in all aspects, skating, checking, and the way that they think about the game. So that's going to be a fantastic series. Of course, the Maple Leafs coming off that emotional victory, finally getting to round two. I think they'll be settled down for the rest of the series now that, uh, that things are going and uh, Toronto is really exciting. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting playoff, and we've got more coming on the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.